As we prepare to hear our scripture this morning, we begin our journey into the Gospel of Luke. And in the narrative lectionary, which are the readings that we use each week in worship, um, we have been all this fall in the Hebrew Testament, listening to some of the big stories from the Hebrew Testament, tracing God's relationship with the people of Israel. Well, now from uh, Christmas, from today through Easter, we will primarily be uh, looking at the Gospel of Luke and tracing Jesus's life and ministry uh, through that Gospel. Now, every Gospel writer has their own um, background, their own audience, their own intent in writing. And the Gospel of Luke, um, it was written probably around 85 to 95 CE, so a good 15 years after Mark's Gospel, about uh, 20 years or so before John's Gospel, and pretty much a contemporary with Matthew's Gospel. But Luke is a Gentile, a non-Jew, and he is writing primarily for other Gentiles or non-Jewish people. And so part of what he's doing is wanting to tell the story of Jesus, both um, how the, the church and how the people who hear this find themselves in line with uh, the historical narrative of the people of Israel and how the church can continue in that line, but also how uh, Jesus' vision is uh, broad and for all, and that uh, this is a church that can include uh, Jews and Gentiles. And so um, Luke, of all the Gospels, uh, one could argue is perhaps the most inclusive. There's lots of stories about women, some of which we'll hear today, about uh, those on the margins um, and those of other cultures, uh, that Jesus spent a lot of time with people um, who maybe were uh, considered less than in um, their society. And so uh, we'll be seeing this throughout the whole gospel, but the other thing that's great about Luke is this is the gospel that includes all the infancy and uh, baby stories about Jesus. Um, and so we often read Luke during Advent and Christmas when we can hear those, those early stories about the birth of Jesus. And so today we're gonna to hear uh, a story from chapter one. Um, we're skipping the very beginning, which is when the angel Gabriel comes to the priest Zechariah and his barren wife Elizabeth and tells them that they will be, become pregnant and become uh, the parents of John the Baptist. And we are now coming to the second uh, annunciation of Gabriel to Mary, that she will have a child named Jesus and that we will um, see how uh, Mary receives this message from the angel. We'll see then how she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and then how she sings uh, the beautiful Magnificat. So let us listen for the word of God. Our scripture today is from the book of Luke, chapter one, verses 26 through 56. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come to you, come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of God's mercy, according to the promise of God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to God's descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Oh, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there's something about Mary. She has been called many things over the years, humble, willing, sacrificial, obedient. But as I read her story again this week, the word that came to mind was courageous. That it was courageous of her to say yes to God, to say yes to this angel. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was sitting in my kitchen and doing the dishes and scraping the end of the broccoli off the plates and all of a sudden an angel appeared next to me and said, greetings, favored one, I don't think I would respond as calmly as Mary did. Says she was perplexed and pondering. 
I think I would have dropped a few dishes, maybe a few expletives, if this thing appeared next to me. And then to listen to the angel's message would have been even more preposterous. This idea of, I need to borrow you for nine months, uh, give or take 30 years. And I know you're not married yet, but I'm going to go ahead and speed this thing up for you. And the baby is going to be on its way. And the baby is actually going to be the son of God. I think I would have a lot more questions than Mary. And I certainly wouldn't have responded with, here I am. Let it be according. Let it be with me according to your word. I think my response would have been more like, um, are you sure that you're in the right house? Uh, are, sh- are you sure that you mean me? Um, could I talk about this with Joseph and get back to you? Or maybe even, uh, could you come back in a couple months, maybe in the new year, and uh, we could talk again then? I don't know that there's any way that I would have been able to say yes right away. What's so extraordinary about this is that Mary herself was so ordinary. Zechariah and Elizabeth, when they're introduced earlier, they come with these pedigrees, with these lineage from the priests and, and from their clans. Joseph even comes from the line of David. But Mary, there's no details about her background, just that she was a young girl from this backwaters town. And yet this is the one who God favors. This is the one who God calls into service. And Mary says, yes. It makes me wonder, how could she have done this? What was it in her, about her, about her faith that helped her to do this? I think we get some clues in this passage. Clearly, she's, she's not too frightened, so there's something in her faith where she maybe knows uh, some ideas about how God works and maybe that God surprises people from time to time. But what's also interesting is that after she gets this announcement, she runs off to her cousin, Elizabeth. She doesn't run off to Joseph. She doesn't run off to her local rabbi. She doesn't run off to her own parents, but she runs to this cousin, someone she has heard has had a miraculous uh, pregnancy happen as well. And as she gets to Elizabeth's house, as she crosses the threshold and opens her mouth in greeting, as soon as Elizabeth hears her voice, she is filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And Elizabeth shouts, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth isn't judging her or shaming her, which certainly would have been possible in that society. Instead, Elizabeth affirms her. And Mary soaking in that love and that affirmation of her family and her faith family is able to put her hands on her hips or on her belly and begin to belt out 
this joyous song. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And then she begins to speak the vision of what she sees. A vision of what the world could look like. And it's so real to her and so present to her that she speaks of it as if it has already happened. As if it is in the past that God has shown strength and scattered the proud and brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. She is speaking to that vision of God that we have been hearing about and talking about all these last several months as we began our back in Genesis. This is God's work coming to life in her and through her. As I hear her sing this Magnificat of what the world can be, I hear echoes of so many of the scriptures that we have looked at this fall. Last week, Isaiah saying, I, I am here to proclaim good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to free the captives. I hear the week before Joel, where Joel said, the day is coming when my spirit is going to pour out on old and young, on men and women, and here are Elizabeth and Mary, young and old women, filled with the Spirit. I hear the weeks before that, where we were in uh, the covenant with David, where God promises David that his ancestors will sit on the throne, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I hear the promise before that, when God met Hannah, another woman, a barren woman, and as she's newly pregnant with Samuel, she goes and she sings this song to God. So similar to the Magnificat, maybe Mary knew it, this song that says God will lift up the lowly and the poor, God will bring down the rich, there will be a righting of all wrongs and a vision of justice and equity. I hear before that the promises of Abraham. The promises given to Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars, that he would be a great nation, and a promise of a child that God gave to Abram and Sarah. And when Sarah heard it, she laughs and said, Is anything impossible for God? And so in Mary, we get that answer from the angel Gabriel. For nothing is impossible with God. What we hear in this text is a promise of God that continues to come to fruition that Mary helps bring and bear into the world because Mary is in this long line of people of faith and this long line of God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And if God can do this with Mary, then God can do this with you and with me. Because we are the Marys of today. We are the, the partners of God, the co-creators of God, called to birth God's light and love and vision 
and hope into our world. This is the vision that we have been hearing about all along in these weeks, this vision of hope and justice. And as we have talked about all these last several months, we know our world, we are in a turning point. We are in a time of great change and upheaval and an opportunity for a new vision to take place. The pandemic has brought us as a globe to our knees, has forced us to think about what are our priorities? What are we about? How do we take care of each other and work for the common good? We've seen so much injustice in this last year. We've seen the structures that we have depended on structures that were maybe faulty to begin with and have been patched together and duct taped together, they are crumbling down. And the opportunity is there to build something new. Even our planet, we have seen catch on fire. We have seen uh, have bigger hurricanes and storms than before. And so there's an opportunity there to do something different, to have a different vision. And as I hear the story of Mary today, it makes me think that we are part of bringing about that new vision and that God is calling on each one of us to do our part. God longs for us to say yes let it be with me according to your word. Now, it may seem wild to think about this, a vision for something like health care for all, but God longs for us to say, yes, let it be with me according to your word. Use my body, my mind, my heart, my actions to make it happen. Racial justice in our world Yes, let it be with me according to your word. Use my body, my mind, my heart, my actions to make this vision possible. Care for our planet. Yes, let it be with me according to your word. Use my body, my heart, my actions, my life to make this vision a reality. And so I think the question for us is in this time of isolation and pandemic, in this time of a real turning point and season of change, how is God inviting us to be a co-creator with God of that new vision? How are we being called to birth God's light and love and justice into our world? I think it is happening in all kinds of ways, some of the most ordinary and some of the most extraordinary. I think about those of us who are parents, who have said yes to God to be on this parenting journey. And some days how hard it is to help shepherd these lives and to help them learn how to, to grow and be kind and good and decent citizens. And yet we say, yes, God, let it be with me according to your word. And we let God help us do the impossible. I think about those of us who are really reckoning with white supremacy, with injustice. 
as we do the hard work, often feels like impossible work of dismantling these systems of white supremacy in our hearts and in our world. And yet we say, let it, let it be with me according to your word, God. That this is part of how we bring about that vision. I think about those of us reaching out to care for others, others who have been sick, others who are isolated. It's a way we build up that sense of community like Elizabeth and Mary, the way we nurture one another and help each other find the hope we need for the future. As we say, let it be with me according to your word. There are all kinds of ways that God asks us to be part of the vision. And so the question for us on this fourth Sunday of Advent is, how is God calling us? What are the ways that the Holy Spirit longs to come upon us and in us and use us to bring about that vision of justice and mercy for our world? I don't know exactly how Mary did it. But I like to think that she had a lot of courage. That she knew she was standing in a long line of just faithful ancestors in faith. And that she had community around her to support her and love her and help her. May it be so with each of us. And may we listen for God's call for us and say, yes, here am I. Let it be with me according to your word. Amen.